In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to share some thoughts with you this morning on the challenges of being a Christian in 2019 because there are many challenges. I spent a lot of time listening to the radio throughout the night and last week there was a program on the debate on being able to express your Christian values. It comes from a great argument that's going over in New South Wales over a rugby player who expressed some views that's brought a lot of pain on himself. And it was a talkback. And the talkback really, really saddened me. The vitriol against the Christian faith was so great. Every single person almost that was moved to phone up just denigrated the Christian church, the schools, the system, everything, and just wanted it almost wiped out. And it made me extremely sad because they never gave one thought of what the Christian faith has contributed to the world that we live in today and how different it would have been if Jesus Christ had not introduced compassion into the thinking of the human race. Almost every welfare agency has been born out of the Christian church. Hospitals, schools, caring for people, and the very first Christians went into the leper colonies and looked after the most despised people in the world. And when I thought about this, I thought about today's gospel. When Jesus gave a warning to the disciples, the 72 he sent out into the world, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves, and how you're going to face the great challenges. The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. What has changed? We come here this morning and there'll be people in other churches a small minority, followers of Jesus Christ, who try to present him to the world, but we're a very small minority. And we're going to see a little bit later on what separates us from all of those who are still nice, warmly tucked up in their beds on this Sunday morning. What difference does it make? There's a warning to Corazon and Bethsaida about turning your back on God. And what happens when we turn our back on God? I want you to cast your minds back to the 50s and the 60s, 70s, when it changed. When I went to Jeramungup back in 1967, scripture was part of everyday life. I taught scripture in the Jeramungup, Fitzgerald, Ravensthorpe, North Ravensthorpe, Jerdicutup, heading east, heading south, in the Needlup, Gardner River, uh, Bremer Bay, Wellstead, South Stirling, and Many Peaks School on a regular basis. And I was welcome as a Pied Piper. It wasn't 
a, a burden, it was a joy. The ki- and the teachers were all so friendly. It was part of everyday life. Think about your homes, rarely locked. And I'm just old enough to remember when you never took the keys out of your vehicles. Even the ABC, when it, cha- when it closed at 10 to 12, had a prayer and a Bible reading. Every night when the ABC closed, it had a prayer and a Bible reading. I can remember the confirmation classes of that era when all children were... And I used to do all the confirmation preparation in the school. No, nobody questioned It was just part of everyday school life. And I think of the Josephite nuns, the brown joeys. They were in every country town. So a little convent, even Ongarup, which is the tiniest community, about 120 people. There was a little convent, two brown joey nuns in Bruce Rock, Narameen, Corrigan, Tambra, wherever you went, there were two brown joey nuns. All in their habit all sharing their faith, all looking after people. And there was a correlation between our profession of belief and the safety of the community. Turn to 2019. And a revolution started in the 1970s, I believe, when discipline became a dirty word. If it feels good, do it. Jim Cairns and Judy Morosi, may remember, led this freedom movement. The freedom camps where anything went. I remember there was a big one up in Dwelling Up when I was in Pinjarra. Discipline disappeared. Self-respect, the dress code, the hair that was never combed or cut, clothes that were never changed, our attitude to one another. Then, of course, came the marginalisation of the faith that you and I belong to. became more difficult to teach scripture, to be involved in society, and everywhere it was squeezed out. The consequence, look around you. How secure do you feel walking down the street, in the shopping centre, home invasion, addiction. I work in a prison where there's now today 490 people. After Christmas, there'll be 620. And that's across the state. Mostly young people, mostly there because of drugs and violence. I'm going to suggest to you that as society has drifted away from God, this way of life is just consequential. Because, in many cases, conscience is stilled. When you belong to faith, we are reminded that we are imperfect. 
We need to strive to change the things in our lives that are not right. We try to live out that summary of the law, which I love as a prayer for peace. To love the Creator and all that He has created in its beauty and majesty. So I love the rain. It is so important to everyday life. And to love one another as Jesus loves us. And that's totally unconditional. And we face this immense challenge. And it's not just society that's got it wrong. Look at our church and our theologians. Up until the 70s or the 80s, the divinity of Christ was a fact of life we just accepted. It was in the creeds, it had been studied, and Jesus Christ was the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, who came into the world to reveal the inner personality of God himself. But to a questioning age, after 2000, even theologians began to question the divinity of Christ. Was he the Son of God? Was he adopted? Is the virgin birth a reality? And so we become divided. We no longer stand united. And we are part of our own marginalisation. And that's very sad. But don't despair, because you're still sitting there. And that's what's important. And there's people sitting in the Catholic Church and in the Living Vine Church and in the church in town, Dream There's people sitting exactly the same as you are. So there is hope. So where is the answer? Where is the answer? Well, my friends, it's in the Old Testament. It's in today's reading. Why are you here? And the other 90% of people still warmly tucked up in bed? Because you admit that you're not God. That you need to have a faith and a belief and belong to a community. The rest out there are missing out. As Naaman almost did. Almost went that close to dying of leprosy because Elisha didn't do what he thought he should do and told him to go and wash in the Jordan River and that those two rivers, the Tigris and Euphrates, they've just got different names, mighty rivers. And he's just so angry. Fancy asking me to run in, to wash in that muddy creek when I can wash in these rivers. And he's going to walk away until his prevail upon him. He washed in the river and he was healed. What does Naaman teach us? You need to be humble. You need to be humble. And that's exactly what Jesus was. In all humility, he suffered all the world could lay upon him. Even the ultimate death, crucifixion, that was followed by the glorious resurrection. And it's all here as a free gift. 
I spend some time musing in my old age and I was musing over the last couple of days. In Monday's paper, there's a big ad. Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Do you want to be free of all your guilt? There's a new psychiatrist that can answer all of your questions. He can solve your problems. Be sure that you get a referral from your local GP. And the fees will be less than $500 for the course. I'll guarantee you wouldn't get in for six months because you could buy it. It's something about the psychic. You know, it might have references, but there's something about buy it, it's got value. But what Jesus offers you is totally free. All you've got to do is be like Naaman and ultimately humble yourself to seek the gift. You must always seek God's gifts. He will never impose them. And I think that is one of the mistakes, even people that have been walking this journey for a long time, we do hesitate to ask God for his blessings about the little things in life. And the little things in life come together and change the big things in life. You wouldn't want your children or your husband or your grandchildren only to talk about the big things in life. It is the simple chatter that builds a relationship, that builds the love, that builds the confidence. And God is no different. We're in constant communication with a loving God who wants the best for us on a daily basis. And your blessings will be very rich. And so I just pray today that God will bless you with peace of mind, for a joy in believing, for a sense of belonging to our wonderful family, our hearts to be filled with confidence that we are on a journey, a journey into the presence of God. And if we walk on that journey, then life will be transformed. We'll understand the peace of God that passes all understanding.